to me, the deeply masculine part is not that you know it all already, but that you're present, that you're paying close attention and that you're willing to say, I really want this to feel good for you. I always want to know if something's not working. That that's hot, right? There's something really masculine about that. We haven't done a girl talk in a long time, so I'm very pleased to have my girlfriends back. Thank you so much for being here for this girl talk on does size matter? And it's funny, we haven't done this one yet, but it's been uh, on my heart and something I've wanted to address. And I also feel kind of protective of men. So it's been one that I wanted to make sure that we did with love and compassion, because I think this can be a tough topic for some people and also quite an important one. And I think that, I think this will be an inspiring episode for a lot of people. So uh, welcome back everyone. And we will start this girl talk the way we usually do. So we'll just go around, say your name, your rough age and your relationship status. Uh, scale of zero to 10. Um, and a uh, wild card question is going to be, what is your favorite flower to receive? Favorite flower? Uh, I guess I'll start. <laughs> um, I'm Mel. I am 40 this year and uh, my relationship status is zero at the moment. Um, and I would say my favorite flower to receive is probably tulips. They don't last very long, but I just love them. I just love them. They're just delicate and I just, they're just inspiring and they make me smile. Who would like to go next? Um, I'll go next. Um, so my name's Ashley and I also just turned 40 this year. Um, yeah. And my relationship status is probably two. I'm dating a little bit. So I think a two, um, and my favorite flower oh, is a peonies. I just think they're the most beautiful and they come out twice a year and I take all of them and put them next to my bed. They also sound a little bit like penis. Not gonna lie, it was definitely <laughs> the same thing. Oh yeah. So that's a lovely segue. <laughs> uh I can go next, I guess. My name is Z. Um I am in that same age bracket. <laughs> um I am dating as well. And my favorite flower I think that I really love, and these are not naturally occurring in nature, but I love black roses. That's very goth. Love it. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Violet and I'm 41 and I am like a 25 out of 10 on the, on the committed uh, range. And I love actually receiving bouquets, like where there's Obviously I love roses somewhere in the bouquet, but I love like the variety and texture and colors and how they all play off each other. But if I had to pick just one, it would be those roses that are like pink, but they have like a darker pink on the tips. Oh, just the tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Those are beautiful. I love those too. I know what you're talking about. They're very classy. 
It's like the kind of roses you would want to receive after you start in a, in a play. Um, cool. So yeah, so we're today, we're talking about does size matter? And I think the way that we'll do this is we'll just each sort of go around and talk about our experiences with cocks of different sizes. Um, a few things I just wanted to clarify before we dive in, which is that we did a little bit of research before this episode, and it turns out that the average length, this is, I think, a question a lot of men have, the average length of an erect penis is between 5.1 and 5.5 inches. And for my listeners that are do centimeters, that's 12.95 to 13.97 centimeters. And they, they scientists actually believe that the actual average is probably on the lower end of this range, just because... <laughs> When you take volunteer bias into account, uh, I think that most people are adding a few, you know, inches or half inches to their size. So it's probably more like five inches and that's erect. Remember that that means erect. So it's going to be quite different um, for flaccid penises versus erect. Um, And then for, I think some people might have heard about micro penises and that's actually quite rare in the population. It's about um, less than 1%. Some people say 0.6% of the population. And it's basically when the flaccid penis is two, at least 2.5 standard deviations smaller, or sorry, the erect penis is 2.5 standard deviations smaller, meaning significantly smaller than five inches. So maybe two inches or less erect is what's considered a micro penis. And we will be discussing some of this. And I just want to be clear that there's plenty of pleasure to be had, no matter what size anyone's appendage is. And that goes for all kinds of body parts, not just the cock. So who would like to start with their their share? Um, I know, Ash, you had a bunch of different ones because you had your own and then a couple of friends. So I'm wondering if maybe you could kick us off. Yeah, totally. I would love to. Well, I... I have the story of, of my, an acquaintance of mine who, um, does regularly have sex with this man who has a micro penis. Um, I have not, but she actually, so it was someone she was regularly seeing for probably like a year and a half. There was, it was an open thing. Um, but she said that it was the best sex of her life actually, because his, it was, I don't know exactly how long it is, but let's say, I think it was, she said like the size of her thumb roughly, but it would hit her right in her G spot. And so it was like, it was the best and the way he moved and the way he did it. And they were also, um, best friends at the same time. So I think there was something with like, you know, I I don't know. I think there's also this chart of like the level of like, connection that you have with someone and they're combined with their level of skill with what they have with their body and their penis size. It's like, there's like a correlating chart, you know, with all three of those things. And there's like a, yeah, perfect, a perfect spot on that. I wish we could make a 3d chart. So yeah. Best sex of our life. Yeah. I love that. Especially since in my own sex research, you know, cock size didn't even rate on the things that women talked about when they talked about the men who were best in bed. It was less than 3% of women who talked about size. 
versus, you know, 60 to 70% of women that talked about his attention was on me. I could feel his attention on me. I felt him with me, right? The, the idea of presence and his whole, his whole being being right there with her was very high on the list. Whereas size of cock, very low on the list of what actually makes a man the best in bed. So I think that's a great story that kind of proves that out that it doesn't, it's not actually about, there's so much focus on this one appendage. There's so much focus on this one body part for men, at least. And this is a pretty heteronormative conversation. We're talking about men who have sex with women and it, it isn't really borne out when you actually talk to real women who are having sex with men, it is reinforced in porn, but real women's stories, it's not a huge part of the experience. And then Ash, did you want to share your own sort of experience? Yeah, I I have a few actually. And just to compare, like, yeah, I have a couple, but you know, one of them, for example, is I think the, to emphasize the level of connection is so important because I remember I had a kind of a friends with benefits thing with this guy. We went on a couple of dates. It wasn't like a serious thing. And that's what it morphed into. And, you know, he had great skill and technique, you know, he like it was great. But then when once the sex was over, it was like it it didn't leave me with anything. It didn't leave me feeling like in this like joy and pleasure, leave me feeling like really satisfied and satiated. It was kind of like, well, that was fun. And then it was done, you know, and that's it. Um, but there's been other guys where I have less, um, I get less physically involved and I feel more of that lasting joy and satisfaction and warmth. And so I feel like it just goes to show like that part of it is so much more impactful than even, even their skill or their, their size, you know, um, it feels like to me. Yeah. Can you say a little more about that? Cause that feels important of just, you know, what I heard in the first story was maybe feeling a little bit, mm, a little dropped, <laughs> like, okay, thanks. Bye. Versus <laughs> the, the, you know, the lingering cuddling and just feeling energetically held. Can you say a little bit about what, what was the difference between those two experiences? Yeah. Well, I feel like there just wasn't like, there wasn't like a romantic heart connection in the same way. Like as a friend, it was great. So um, it's just that afterwards I was kind of like, okay, that was fun. Bye. Like there was no, like, it, it just didn't have that flavor to it between the connection between us, you know, um, that just wasn't there. And so it didn't make it, it didn't bring in that third component that may, would have made it even more extraordinary. Um, and I actually have another story that I think is really relevant to this. So I have an ex that it took us a really long time to have sex. In fact, we didn't even have sex until we broke up, um, which is totally crazy. And he had a very, he has like an average, average penis size, maybe a tiny, tiny bit on the smaller end of it. But, um, you know, and we were intimate before we broke up, but we hadn't really had sex so when we finally went to have intercourse, he, he went inside me and then it was like 30 seconds. And then he felt like he was worried he was going to, you know, ejaculate. So ultimately we tried to have sex a couple of times, but he was so preoccupied with that or so preoccupied with his own stuff that he couldn't. And he ended up getting a vibrator 
And I felt so disconnected from him. So I just kind of wanted to bring that up because I think it's great to bring in toys. And if you can't perform or you have different sizes, I think it's wonderful to bring in stuff. But what I was bothered by with it was that there wasn't like a connection with him and I in the way that I had desired. And the toy was there because he he couldn't um, perform, you know? Yeah. And he wasn't, he didn't, it sounds like he also wasn't really willing to, to look at that and maybe work on that and, and explore, you know, shame or whatever was going on. Because I know a number of our clients, the clients that Jason and I work with have had performance issues in the past, but as they've explored their own, their own stuff, like you said, and grown their, their ability to perform has changed. They've actually been able to get hard, stay hard, have intercourse. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of sexual play that you can do outside of intercourse, but they've been willing to do the hard stuff to face their own selves. And that has affected their, their cock versus it sounds like this man maybe didn't want to go there. And so instead of doing that hard personal growth inner work, he bought a toy. And like you said, I don't think there's anything wrong with toys. I I'm all for toys and the connection between the two or three or whoever's involved people is the most important thing. That's the most important thing. And if the toy is adding to the connection and helping build it, then it's going to feel a lot different than, well, I can't do this. So I'm bringing this thing in to replace it. It's, it's, it's not, it's not quite the same energy. Totally. And I'm, that is like, I'm so glad you said that. Cause that's exactly like, I wanted to bring that in. Cause I know we're going to talk about different sizes and different things. And that is the differentiation. Like it doesn't really matter what your what size you are as much as what you do with it and the level of connection while it's happening, you know? Completely. I had a question about that, Ash. Could I ask a question? Oh, um, yeah. So I guess my, my question is, and Mel, I know on the podcast, you talk a lot about women also advocating for what they want in the bedroom and the type of pleasure that they want and how it's difficult for women to do that in a lot of your surveys. So I guess, Ash, I'm wondering for you in this connection with this man, were you able to share this exactly what you're talking about in this episode and how did he respond to that or were you not able to share that and i'm wondering what was going on with you in this disconnection yeah you know we only we it was only a couple times and it was after we broke up um and yeah it was only a couple times and then i was like i didn't really i wasn't interested it was really like twice and i just noticed it kind of after the fact like in the moment it was like pleasurable, but then after the fact, I kind of noticed like, oh, there was a big disc that it didn't feel totally safe. Like I didn't feel really satisfied and nurtured by it versus like it was pleasurable, but it wasn't like nurturing. And I'm like, oh, it's because there was still that disconnect there. And so I, I just didn't see him anymore because of we already broke up, you know, I mean, it was already done. But, okay, cool. I was yeah. just curious if he had the opportunity to know this information, because I think that's important that if men are given this information, what do they then do with it? And obviously you weren't continuing to date him, but I was curious no. about that. Yeah. And I think I'm go moving forward. What I've learned from it is to really have more open dialogue about any part of sexuality, because, you know, that at that time, that partner was very defensive about it and we, we couldn't really move forward. Um, 
So I would have more like empathetic, you know, compassionate conversations around it. And then if someone's not willing to do their work, that's a different thing. But yeah, I learned something from it that was great. Yeah. And I I do think it's important to point out that it is extremely hard to bring up anything about sex um, for most people. And I think that based on my research, it, it, it's extra hard for women to bring up something that's not working for them in the bedroom. It's really scary because we're afraid that the man is going to freak out or shut down and just leave. And so, you know, my course, please her in bed. One of the things that the first part of that course does is teach men how to actually elicit right? How to coax her out, how to invite her out, how to say, I'd love to hear how this experience is for you. I'm curious. And, you know, it sort of breaks that down because I think when men create a safe space for women to share about sex and sexuality, that makes it a lot more likely that they're going to get that information. If you, if you look realistically, a lot of women aren't proactively sharing, especially about something that's not working. But if you're a man, you can actually get that information on a regular basis and it can really help guide you. So yeah, just wanted to throw that out there that it is, if you, if you really want to know, you shouldn't assume that a woman is going to tell you, you should figure out how to communicate and elicit that kind of feedback because it's a lot more likely that you're going to get it. Awesome. Who wants to go next? I'll share. I, Love this conversation and how so much is at play. And I just want to add an additional thing that is important to me, which is the energy, the energy of the cock, the energy of the person. And because I'm really sensitive sexually, I've had many occasions where I had an orgasm, both with my husband and with other partners previously, where there was no intercourse, there wasn't even no fingering or oral sex or anything. I just, their, their cock could be like an inch away from my vulva and I'm having an orgasm. So I've had experiences where there's full penetration and no pleasure and experiences where there's no penetration of any kind and lots of pleasure. So to me, it is about this connection that Ashley talked about and Mel, you added to, and Z, you talked about too, like this feedback loop that goes from partner to partner verbally and, and energetically. And so I think for any man that's listening to know that it's about your, I would say vibration that that sounds way too, you know, um, like law of attraction-y, but it is really about your ability to be present and not get too lost in your stuff, but also not get too lost in what I'll call your ego about like having, you know, porn star sex. I, (laughs) it's actually the person once who like wanted to watch himself in the mirror while we were having sex. It was not a turn on. (laughs) So I've also had experiences where someone who did have, um, a smaller, you know, smaller penis by the numbers was constantly asking during sex, can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? And it was really hard for me to enjoy the pleasure that was there when his, you know, insecurities were coming up. And of course I felt compassion for him, but it felt me, it made me feel disconnected. Like he wasn't putting energy on me. He was just putting energy on his own performance. Um, And then I've, like I mentioned, had situations where there was someone that I actually don't remember if we ever had intercourse. I think if we did, it was for a very, very short amount of time, partially because I think he had a, you know, his penis was quite small and it was hard for him to stay inside of me. And partially because honestly, we were having so much pleasure without that. Like it felt, 
it felt like it wasn't even, you know, it wasn't even necessary. Like it didn't bother me when it, when it fell out, it was just like, Oh, okay, whatever. Like we're on to doing something else next. Um, so those are just some experiences I want to share. And I think too, like Ashley talked about anatomically, you know, there's the G spot, which is very, very pleasurable or can be if we've connected to our G spot. And then there's also the cervix, but the cervix can be reached. Like we were talking about through toys, through a penis, through fingers, depending on the angle. And so I also just wanted to mention the angle too. You know, I've been with a partner who was not well endowed, but was very present, very conscious, very charming in a good way. And he was masterful about like moving my legs over his head because that shortens the vaginal canal. Or if you're doing um, what we call doggy style, you know, like that shortens the vaginal canal. So there's lots of different positions you can do to shorten or open the vaginal canal that also support still having that penis to um, cervix connection. And in addition, uh, if you feel safe doing this, you you'd probably want to do it when you're a little more experienced with yoni eggs. You can have a yoni egg inside and have someone enter you with that yoni egg inside. So even if their penis isn't touching your cervix, it can be touching the yoni egg, which is then touching your cervix. It's like it kind of gently lifts it up to touch the cervix. And if you're using something like, I don't know, rose quartz or jade or something really magical, amethyst, you're, you're getting this massive wave of energy from the crystal that's being powered by your partner's cock. So I just think it's to me all about the energy and all about like what we do with that energy in terms of connecting. And I will also just say on the other end of the spectrum, I have been with people who have, I'll just say massive, massive cocks. And it felt like it was just like this lump of flesh. Like, yes, it was hard. Yes, it was huge. Yes, it was aesthetically, you know, what we would think of as a huge cock, but I, you know, like there was no energy there. So it did nothing for me. In fact, it made me go into like my own fight or flight and performance issues, which caused just both of us to be disconnected. And it's not to say that if you have a large cock, there's anything wrong with that. That's also beautiful. You can also put these rings on your cock that go down to the very base of the shaft that keep it from keep your penis from entering too deep into your partner. There's all different sorts of things you can do for, for any size of penis, but it's really about the energy and the connection. And one other thing that I want to say too, just while we're on the topic is like, you know, we're talking about size, but there's also shape. There's also angle. There's also, if there's foreskin or not, like I personally love a penis with foreskin and uncircumcised penis. I like makes my mouth water for some reason. I like, anyway, I really like that. Um, my partner doesn't have that. And I really, really, really like what he has going on. So not to sound like, you know, too up for anything, but I don't think I've ever met a penis that I didn't like as long as there was some consciousness attached to that penis. Oh, I really like that, that quote. I, I feel like that's a great, word consciousness, another, a a kind of word for presence, right? How present, how conscious a man is of her, of the moment of what's happening. And I think that the, the example you gave of the man who was quite in his head, like, can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? It's like the focus and attention was on him. Like his focus and attention was on him instead of on you and on the moment. And what kept showing up in the research was when, when women were talking about the men who were best in bed, they were a lot of the time talking about his, his focus, his energy, his presence, his attention on me. I felt beautiful. I felt 
valued. I felt gorgeous. I felt seen. They would often say I felt seen. And a lot of those words I think are ineffable, right? They're not tangible. It can be hard to figure out if you're a man trying to you know, determine the playbook. Like, how do I actually do this? It can feel like, I don't know what that means. And it's the, the, the women are trying to communicate about his quality of consciousness, his quality of attention, his quality of presence. And, and a lot of, you know, the pacing, right. Like slowing down and not being in a hurry. And I think it's worth bringing into this conversation that I've been with men where there was such a focus on, he he was so focused on getting hard and staying hard that he wasn't really present with me. That it, it, So I've had this experience. I'm curious if you ladies have had this as well of having a really amazing makeout, having a really amazing connection. And then when it came to intercourse, it felt like he went away. Like, okay, there's such a focus on getting hard and staying hard. It's like, I could feel him not really with me anymore. And, and the intercourse was fast. Maybe it felt rushed and it felt like it's because he's trying to get, get friction going and he's trying to do the things that he knows how to do to, to get hard and do the thing. And so, so that he can know that he did the thing. And when you look at what women are actually wanting from sex in the research, it's not, it's not necessarily about that. It's about the the full experience and it's about the quality of the connection. It's about all the things that we're talking about here, but the, the focus in porn is not that right. The focus in porn is generally not on the connection or slowing down or all of that. It's, it's, it's an outsized representation of this one part of, of sex. And so I think there's a, there's a big gap between what men think is important to women in bed and what is actually important to women in bed. And I think that porn is partly responsible for that. I so agree. I just want to chime in that to me, porn feels very one dimensional. Like it's the man penetrating the woman. It's always, you know, intercourse and it's always about faster, harder, you know, bigger And there's no exchange. But if you think about actual sex, like the woman's vagina changes during sex too. We get engorged, we get fuller, you know, we get plumper, we get wetter. Um, The vaginal canal changes shape too. So there's like this dynamic weaving of energy and pleasure, but we don't see that. So the man is just focused on do the thing and then have freedom and have release and, you know, make her happy versus like, how can we drop in together? Well said. Z, do you want to go? Yeah, that's a great segue. Thanks, Violet. Um, I was really caught at the end, even before you mentioned it, Mel, as Violet was sharing about the last part, is that there's a real significant difference between sex versus an experience. And I'll speak from my background Um as I have been on this episode, I used to have a lot of pain during sex. And I was sharing with the ladies before we started that um, my ex-husband, I now realize because I, I did not sleep around a lot, actually had a pretty decent sized penis. And there's an element of it kind of makes me sad that I hadn't done a lot of my own work that I needed to do in order to actually be conscious and present in myself to show up for that connection. And I'm not saying that he had work that he, you know, should have whatever. I don't like that word should, but could have been doing as well. But 
I notice in myself that now that that is not one of my things, I still am learning now at a later age, what is a pleasurable sexual experience to me. And what I am noticing and heard in Violet's thing is that there are all types of men with different penis sizes and different ways that they show up for a woman. And I always like to bring it back to what I can control and what I have responsibility over. And that is really myself. And so that element of consciousness and the man being really conscious of their presence and connected to their heart and their penis is also, I feel like it's my responsibility as a woman to, to know my own body as well. Like Violet talked about being connected to your G spot. And so as I got older, it was, wow, I've been very disconnected from my sexuality and my body because of my experience in life. And if I'm ever able to be able to even share with a man how to please me and what I like, I need to first know that whether their penis size is large, middle, small, whatever I need to know. I remember one of my friends telling me a story of this man that she had dated and she would get on the edge of a bed so that he would hit her just right so that she could come in about a minute and a half. And the reason she knew that was because she had had a lot of sexual experiences with men previously, but she knew her body. And I remember very, really hearing this when I talk to women that really know their bodies, whether it's through their own exploration or whether it's through connecting with you know, one or many men, is that women actually also knowing their bodies is part of the work for that presence and that consciousness and that connection. And if I show up knowing my body, know what I like, knowing what pleases me, that I'm able to share that and express that or also position my body in a way that whether their penis size is whatever size it is, I can still advocate for myself with movement and with energy. Um, With penis size, I have had different experiences. I've had experiences with, you know, not that many people, but knowing the difference between somebody I dated that um, did have an issue with alcohol and so wasn't really able to get erect fully, but yet would go down on me. And I really loved that experience because he was somebody that um, really liked doing that for a woman. And for me, it was such a vulnerable thing that I never let somebody do in the past really. And so that was a really opening experience for me to have somebody that loved doing that. And so I was able to relax into the pleasure of that. Um, There was also another person I did that had a, a long penis and was not connected. Like all these women are talking about just was really not connected to Am I receiving pleasure? How is this connection for me? It seemed to be more about him sort of getting off. And that was not pleasurable for me at all. Even though I thought he was a a night, like he was a good person. Like there wasn't anything bad or, you know, unwholesome about him. It just, there was a level of connection that he didn't have. And so it wasn't pleasurable. And so I think for me, what it comes down to is, I think that obviously I want a penis size that is nice and fits me, but I still am exploring what that's like in a partner. I really don't know because I haven't had tons of various experiences. And so part of my work that I'm doing is how well do I know myself so I can show up at the table. But what I am realizing, like Violet and Ashley and Mel, you guys are all saying, is that the level of connection that I have and the energy between me and my partner 
I'm also really turned on. For example, I'm, I am in the dating world and there's a person that I have been talking to um, that is not currently in the state that I live in. Um, that's lovely. And I've really enjoyed our connections thus far. And one of the things that turned me on so much is I was chatting with this person the other evening and he was very honest about, of course, I want to have sex with you. And right now, I just really wish you were here so I could, you know, cuddle you. And I don't think he said the word cuddle, but it was more of like, you know, I, I want to be in bed with you and have your body against my body. And it, when there was definitely an energy of I'm showing up and want to have sex with you, whether or not that happens, but it was also that warmth and that I felt really seen that word again, seen in, he doesn't just want to have sex with me. He wants to actually be with my energy and my presence and provide a space to really enjoy being with me. And the truth is, is I think the most pleasurable connections that I've had in any sexual way have been the ones where I've enjoyed actually authentically being with the, the person and really felt as though that person has authentically really enjoyed being with me. So I'll pause there if you have feedback. <laughs> yeah, that's so, it's, I really, what I really heard there was being valued and, and, and I think that it's easy because we have a pretty weird sexual culture in the West. And I think it's easy for me, at least, to be concerned about feeling used by men mm -hmm. for sex. And I, I've realized, I think, that a lot of us women have some some hypervigilance around, does he just want me for my body parts? Like, am I am I valued as a whole person or just as a receptacle kind of like, am I, am I seen? Am I, you know, does he value me? Does he see me? And I think that's that example of him saying, I would love to just hold you right now, just to be, you know, skin to skin and, and holding you or whatever it was he said, it, I would feel valued somehow in there. Like, oh, I'm, I'm valuable beyond just, you want to have sex with me. It's not that I don't want you to want to have sex with me. I do. <laughs> I want yes. you to want me. <laughs> I just also want you to see me as a person and that I'm more than just, just this particular body that I'm in. And yeah. And, and that definitely came up in the research again and again was, you know, I felt seen, I felt valued. I felt all of these things. And it, it, it isn't just about the body parts. Yeah. Interestingly, you know, I recently interviewed uh, Holly Randall, who's a woman porn director, and she made this um, point, which is that when you actually talk to women, um, porn stars, right. Women that are, that are having sex with lots of men as their profession in their, in their own lives, they prefer a man with an average penis size. That's what they want. And that's pretty consistent. Of course, everyone's different. And of course there are women that are like, I really like a bigger cock. That's what you know, that's what gives me pleasure. But, but on the whole, there's a reason that the average size is the average size. <laughs> it's like, if you look at puzzle pieces that fit together, like this is actually a pretty good fit. So I think that the, the, the weird kind of obsession that the porn industry has and has perpetuated, and I think it's continuing to perpetuate is actually false. And when you look at, you know, the women who are very experienced sexually, they're, they're again saying, 
average is great. Average is comfortable. We can do all the positions. It's comfortable everywhere. And I really liked what Violet said. I think that some of you listening might not be familiar with the jade egg, but she talked about the jade egg, which we have another episode that goes into that. And, um, and I, I, I'm not going to go into the whole the whole thing about the jade egg, but it's a, it's a way that women or people with vulvas, whoever, however you identify can, um, can, can, it's a, it's a tool that you can use for sexual healing and for sexual pleasure. And, but what I want to point out is there's so much possibility within a sexual connection between two people. So say that you were with, say you were a woman with a man with a, that was on the smaller side, or you're a man on the smaller side, you could use something like the jade egg, you know, again, kind of like a toy. I wouldn't classify the jade egg as a toy, but something else that you're bringing into the equation that's building the connection, right? It's like, how are we working as a team for this to feel really good for both of us and for us to feel really connected in that? So I think that's really hot, what Violet described of having the jade egg in and then having um, a male partner penetrating and touching the jade egg, which is then touching the cervix, that could create some really incredible energy. And this, this idea of openness and communication that we touched on, I think is critical here because there's really no limit to what we can do if we are, if we are communicating. And again, you know, if you're interested in learning more and taking my course, please her in bed, part of the first section talks about how a man can invite a woman out so that when you're the man, when you as the man are driving these conversations, when you are opening up the dialogue, when you are opening up the floor and inviting your woman to tell you things, to communicate, to, to let you know where her pleasure is, how to give her more pleasure, what's working, what's not working. The more you're doing that, the better the sex is going to be. And the more skillful a lover you're going to become, whether or not you're with that particular woman long-term, you're going to learn so much more when you're inviting her out because most women aren't going to tell you. If, the, if, you, if you're not inviting them out, the research is showing that most women aren't going to tell you. But if you are inviting them out, a lot of women are going to tell you. So you're only going to get better at everything. And, you know, Violet mentioned different positions. There are also, what are they called? Sex pillows? They're like wedges, right? So you can get into different positions with different angles. I know one of my women friends has some back problems and she has a partner and they're in, and she was very brave and sort of told him like, sometimes I'm getting back pain after we have sex because of the jackhammer thing. And like, I can't do the jackhammer thing. We got to figure this out. And, and he also, you know, he listened, he really took it in and he got involved and he said, you know, we can also try these, these pillows and ways of propping you in a different way that feels more pleasurable. So it's not always just about the angle and the G spot. Sometimes it's actually about the physical body and, and that communication brought them closer. That was really brave of her to bring up. And it was really brave of him to, to receive and to, to work with her rather than, you know, reacting defensively or like, oh, you don't like how I do it. Well then fuck you. You know, the, that's the, that's a big fear that a lot of women have communicating is that they'll be attacked or they'll be shut down. And so that, that feedback loop between them has brought them closer and they're having better sex now because of it. And to his credit, you know, I think that she was also really brave and essentially saying to him, I need to feel seen. I don't like, 
it feels like it's just about sex right now. And he really took that in and he started telling her she was beautiful and really showing up in a way with his words that he hadn't before. And that has opened up a whole world for her. I mean, it's really brought them closer. So listening, really listening to that feedback when you get feedback and incorporating it and even eliciting it is brave and worth it. It's so worth it. Um, so I want to make sure that I, that I do my share before we start to wrap. Um, but I did want to mention, mention those things. So, um, yeah, so I've had a wide range of experiences and I would say the vast majority of men that I've slept with have had an average penis size and it's been very pleasurable. I've also slept with men that were larger and that was pleasurable. I think mainly because of those specific men, they were deeply present as we're talking about. Just I feel like it just happens that those men were deeply present. Um one man I remember that was quite skillful was um, probably smaller than average, but he was very sexually experienced. And what I mean by that is he practiced non-ejaculatory orgasm. So he used a lot of breathing and that was very hot. Like the way he would breathe, I could feel that he was present in his body. He was also with me, but he was really, he was really doing something right. He was like doing sexual Tai Chi. He was, he was actually doing something. And that was that I could feel tingles all over my body. You know, I think the breath is a big part of this equation. We haven't really touched on, but when, when you read about sexual mastery, especially you know, in both the masculine and the feminine, but we're talking about the masculine right now, moving the breath and being skillful with the breath is a huge part of being able to have full body orgasms and, you know, non-ejaculatory orgasms. And there's a lot of energy exchange between two partners when you're able to do that. So I felt really turned on and honestly, really lucky to have had sex with him because it felt special and, it was exciting. It was an exciting experience. And like I said, I think he was on the smaller end of the spectrum, but to be perfectly honest, I don't remember that that wasn't the salient part of the encounter. So that's one thing that I think looking back, I couldn't necessarily tell you the penis size of different partners that I've been with. There are a few that I could, but most of the time it really wasn't about that. It was more about the connection and whether he was really present with me in it. So I feel like I should have a more specific answer, but that's my, <laughs> that's what I've got. Any comments on anything people have said? I have a comment really quickly on the communication thing. You mentioned before you shared something about the communication and I was having a conversation with somebody about that idea of communicating about sex outside of the bedroom and inside of the bedroom. Um, Versus this idea that like some men, not all men, but some men have this idea that it takes the magic out of it if you communicate. And I think that that is really important to be like, how are you going to build this connection and this intimacy without actually communicating things? So that idea of really having a space to communicate so that you can have those moments of silence and connection because you are then knowing your partner and really knowing that you're providing a space for them and they're providing a space for you. Yeah, that's a great point, especially because I think another thing that has shown up in my sex research is that one of the reasons men don't 
haven't elicited feedback in the past is because they feel like they should already know. I've gotten that a lot, that a lot of men are like, I feel like I should know how to do this. And if I have to ask for guidance or I have to elicit some kind of feedback, it means I don't know what I'm doing. And that means I'm less of a man or I can't please her. So I'm, you know, there's something wrong with me. And I think, you know, to your point, Z, you know, a lot of the, to, to me, the deeply masculine part is not that you know it all already, but that you're present, that you're paying close attention and that you're willing to say, I really want this to feel good for you. I always want to know if something's not working. That That's hot, right? There's something really masculine about that because you're creating this space for her to step into. And I don't think that's really modeled. But in my world, that's more man, that's more masculine. That's more manly than just knowing it all already. Yeah. And every woman is different. So, you know, if your ex liked a tongue being stuck in their ear and you do that to me, I'm like, ah, no, don't, no, don't like that. Like, you know, every woman likes something really different and knows their body differently. So that's why it's important if you are with a different partner. And even if you're with the same partner, like we change as women and as people. And so it's important to continue and have that evolving conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also change over the course of our cycle, which happens every single month, the amount of pressure, the type of pressure positions, you know, how we feel emotionally, it's, it, that's all going to affect us in the bedroom. And so I think that can be confusing sometimes for men that what, what was working yesterday isn't working today. And it's like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that can happen. <laughs> that's why that's part of the changeable, the changeable feminine. So, um, yeah. Any other, uh, Comments before we start to wrap, Ashley or Violet? Yeah, I just I wanted to mention on something that Z said that, you know, it's like actually if a man were to say he wants to communicate about it or he opens up a conversation, that's so vulnerable to me that 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 would open my heart and make me like I would want to open to him so much more. So, yeah, I wanted to add that because you you mentioned someone who was like, I don't want to communicate and I have the opposite reaction and and impact on my body. You know, I would, I would want more, want more with that man. I really like what you just said, Ash, especially the part about that would open me, right. That would open me, like open my heart. And really, I think that an open woman is, is a more sexually ready woman. Like you, like, that's a good thing. If you're listening to this as a man, right. Things that are going to open her are probably going to lead to better sex. Hands down. Yes. Heck yeah. I love that, Ashley. And I was going to just add to that too, which is when a man is really intentional about communicating about sex, communicating his desire and yeah, being vulnerable, there is a hotness to that. I mean, one thing that I just love about Jason, who I think has the best cock in the world is that he is always there for whatever I'm, whatever's coming up for me. It's almost like I want to say his cock adapts, but it's like energetically his cock adapts. You know, he is, there was a phase when we first met where there was a lot of healing. Like I still had some unprocessed trauma, even though I'd done so much work on myself. I feel like you can do 80% of the work and then the last 20%, you know, you've got to do kind of with your, with an intimate partner. And so there's a part of our journey that was just very, very healing. And I felt like his cock was like this 
healing wand for that. But then there's times where it's been very adventurous and very fun or very animalistic. And it's like someone who's responsive to me, that's not feminine. If they're, if you're asking for a woman's input and then you're responding to that and you're allowing your cock and your energy body and your heart to be responsive, that's like the highest form of leadership because you're attuning to her, you're leading her versus just leading some agenda that you got from a porn movie. I'm really glad you spoke to that because there, there's something really powerful about the way that Jason has been able to show up. That is a reflection of his own, his own work, his own work, you know, getting in touch with his power, becoming present himself, like the way he's able to show up for you is partly because of how he has developed himself. And I think that's an important part of this conversation, right? Is that it does matter all, you know, (laughs) all the personal growth work that we do matters and it does show up in sex. It's not unrelated. It's, it's intimately, it's in there, right? It's all, it's all in there. And I think there's something beautiful about that. Cause he's, he's sort of riding your waves, right? He's listening, he's listening to the energy that's showing up in you and responding to that. And that's deeply masculine because he's holding that space. And I think that's what a lot of women are craving. And that's what in the sex research is showing up as they keep saying, you know, he was present. He was really with me. I felt really seen. I felt held. These are all words that they're using for this sense that we're describing of energetic space. He's holding, he's really holding this space. So uh, yeah, we're going to start to wrap up here Um, quickly. If you are interested in the course that I mentioned, it's a streaming course. It's called Please Her in Bed. It's based on my sex research. It will help you become better lover. It's at pleasearnbed.com and it's usually $97 but if you use the code dear men all one word dear men you can get it for 69 so yeah any last comments before we wrap anything that you would i would just love to reassure men that whatever size you are you can be a very sexy powerful hot leader in bed and have incredible sex yeah i want to second that totally totally agree totally agree And I would like to advocate also for the women listeners that it is also your responsibility to do your own personal work. Mm, Good one. Yeah. Yeah. We will see you next time. 